regular Paul. Paul, hey, how you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good, I'm good. It's been a jam-packed week for football news, a controversy, a win for United, and, you know, the Chelsea transfer ban, and now we're into the international break, and just when you thought football was getting boring, uh, there's uh, loads of press coverage about it. It's exciting stuff. Are you, I've got one question for you, though. Are you ready to rant? I'm always ready to rant. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, Ed, what is going on uh, with Chelsea and our FIFA rights? Is it going to stand under when they appeal um, the strongest appeal possible? That's what they've, uh, they said they're going to do. What What is going on and what are the implications for uh, Manchester United? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not quite sure how uh, how an appeal can be strong or, or not strong. Uh, Chelsea going to send a dancing troupe to FIFA's headquarters <laughs> and... And trying to serenade Sepp Blatter. Yeah, it was my first thought. They said, we're going to appeal as strongly as possible. And I was thinking, so you're going to skip all the intermediate stages and just go straight for the Court of Human Rights or whatever. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. Well, I mean, the, the case is quite simple, actually. It's, uh, there's, there's two punishments. One, one is for the player breaching his contract. Uh, he's received the, the biggest part of the fine. That's um, €780,000 plus a four-month playing ban. And then the second part, which, of course, the media are focused on, is the um, the punishment for Chelsea? They've been found guilty of inducing that player to to break his contract um, with Lons, and uh, they've been um, ordered to pay 130,000 euros in compensation to Lons, and uh, received a ban from incoming transfers for the next two full complete windows. Which uh, takes us up to summer 2011. Um, uh, January 2011. So they're, right. they're, they're banned from uh, the coming January transfer window and then the f- following summer transfer window. And right. uh, this is not unprecedented, despite Chelsea's um, use of the word. Uh, Roma uh, received a similar two-window ban, uh, reduced to one window on appeal. Um, the uh, Saudi Arabian club Al-Ahi um, also um, went to the um, FIFA and uh, managed to get the player El Hadley um, uh, convicted of breaking his contract, he also got a four-month ban. And then, I suppose, most pertinent to this, uh, Swiss club FC Sion uh, were punished uh, also with a two-window ban for inducing the player to break his contract. So, there is some precedent here. Uh, it's, you know, I think uh, I think the most interesting part about this case is that FIFA, Sepp Blatter, uh, and Michel Platini at UEFA have all been really strong uh, in their views about the transfer of under-18 players. And it's a pretty hot and controversial topic, especially with um, major continental European clubs, uh, not just the small ones like Lons, who are, who are frankly, uh, really annoyed with Premiership clubs stealing their best young players. I mean, this uh, happened with PK, Marqueda, Fabregas, hundreds probably. Almeida... Uh, David Petrucci uh, um United uh, of course United have three Brazilians in their ranks now with probably more coming um and of course the, the biggest controversy I guess uh Paul Pogba who was taken this summer from uh, Le Havre in France and uh they um they've been you know, very vocal in the media about uh about the situation with Pogba and they're, they're saying United have acted improperly Although, of course, today there have been um, media reports that FIFA have uh, received no official complaint from, uh, from the French side. Which is slightly strange because uh, the French side seem to be saying that they have complained to FIFA. So, yeah, I, mean, if I think it... there's one thing complaining to the media, there's other actually putting in a dossier. Now, um, I've spoken to the club myself, um, I, uh, 
as far as I understand it, the uh, the club feel they've done nothing wrong. And I think the issue comes down to this. Um, in France, uh, as well as in Italy and in Spain, um, you cannot sign a player onto a professional contract when they are below 18. You can in England. So most English clubs see these young European boys as kind of free meat. Uh, they can take them, um, put them on a youth contract if they're under 17, professional contract on their 17th birthday, um, and there's effectively no compensation to be paid. Now, the Chelsea case is uh, interesting because uh, FIFA have decided that the training contract is not an employment contract, uh, but a training contract that uh, the player Kakuta had with um, Lons uh, is effectively a contract. Now, United will have to be confident they haven't done the same thing if they're not to receive the same punishment. Um would you say that they think they are? Oh, um, they think they're very confident, yes. They don't believe that uh, Pogba has a contract at all. Now, uh, Leav, um think that they have a pre-contract agreement with Pogba. Um, which is not the same as, that's not the same as a training contract. It's not the same thing at all. They think they have a piece of paper that says, yes, when I'm 17 or 18, uh, I will sign a full professional contract with you. If you're not allowed to sign a full professional contract before you're 18, presumably nor is it legally binding if you say you will, because otherwise you're effectively doing that. That's the issue. Is this a contract or is this not a contract? Now, Love will have to uh, argue that this was a contract and United uh, induced the player to break his contract. Um, that's the only punishment United can have if they can't prove that they offered um, they being United offered the player money in order to break his contract then United can't be punished uh, the player could be they, they could say the player's broken his contract um, but the two things are very closely tied and of course um, uh, you know, it's not just uh, European clubs um, that United have been in hot water with they, uh, they've taken the De Silva twins from Fluminese uh, and um, Rodrigo Possebon from Internacional uh, all in Brazil, um, uh, Carlos Alberto, the, the much-lauded Brazilian coach, uh, accused United of raping Brazilian football. And, uh, you know, I, I guess all the, the big clubs are, are looking at these young players and seeing, you know, potentially multi-million pound transfer fees saved in the future. Um, on Twitter yesterday, uh, Aggers, Jonathan Aggie, the uh, excellent cricket commentator, said, this football thing's just got ridiculous. I think they're only carrying on out of stubbornness now. And it's it just like international football. And football, I don't mean international football, I mean the international world of football and football at the highest level. It's just so horrific when you start looking at the details of it, you know? We, we all enjoy the spectacle that gets served up to us a couple of times a week. And, you know, the, the technical level of football in the Premiership is way above anything it's ever been before. But the underpinnings of the football establishment are so murky and kind of unpleasant and money-driven. And, you know, you get occasions where, like, someone's family will get kidnapped or you'll get something as messed up as the Mikel saga. And, and these things are going to happen more and more often because there's so much money and so much grey area. And I kind of... Just, I mean, I know it's Chelsea, but I think I'd feel the same way if it was United. I'm, if, if, if clubs are behaving in this way, I'm just glad to see FIFA chucking a band down from time to time, you know? And, and when they fine Chelsea £300,000 uh, over the Ashley Cole affair, it doesn't make any difference in the world. But banning them from signing players for a couple of uh, windows might actually kind of discourage this kind of behaviour. 
Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, I mean, financial punishments, FIFA are never going to hand down a punishment big enough to um, deter the largest clubs. Uh, so, yes, ban, bans are the way forward. I think the problem is that FIFA have to have a very clear attitude to what they're doing here. And this is quite difficult for them to, um, as a governing body, govern the employment of people. Um, yes. When we're talking about a football market that has uh, you know, more than 190 countries, now clearly that, that market's kind of concentrated in uh, Western Europe, you know, big pile of money there, and in South America and Asia and Africa for additional talent. Um, and mm -hmm. that's what makes it so murky because um, there's a kind of black market for footballers. And, yeah. and FIFA are very concerned about this. They're concerned about players being taken from their kind of home country at a very, very young age, you know, 16 or less, taken to rich Western countries, um, clubs, and dumped. Um, and it's happened many, many times, you know, dumped when these players have decided they're not good enough. That's slightly different from, I say, Arsenal, you know, picking off Sex Fabregas, who's turned out to be a wonderful player, or United uh, with Federico Macheda, who, who may, you know, equally turn out to be a great player. Um, you know, they're, they're in Western Europe. They have a support of the families behind them. Um, the, the clubs involved are angry because they want financial compensation and they don't see the point in putting money into uh, academies if they're not going to get that compensation. Yep. That's one thing. I think uh, more worrying is uh, taking these young kids from uh, countries you know, where they're often in poverty uh, being sold a dream and it doesn't always come true. And FIFA haven't acted strongly yet, and they do need no. to. Um, and maybe this is the start of it. And, uh, of course, Chelsea are going to feel aggrieved. They're going to feel they're being scapegoated because they're a big English club. And, uh, you know, I've seen uh, articles talking about this in the in the press in the last couple of days. Um, but FIFA do have to start somewhere. And if it's with Chelsea, so be it. You know, United may end up getting punished themselves. It probably doesn't seem like it in this occasion, but we may well see. This is a, a classic example of like we were talking last week about the danger of Schadenfreude, and this is this is like even more of an example of that because there's just nothing funny about this situation. I mean, you know, it, yes, it's it's Chelsea being punished, and we we all like to see that, but. Um, they're being punished for operating along fairly similar lines to that which other big clubs operate on. Yeah, and there are very fine margins, and Chelsea yeah. teams just cross that very fine margin. But I think there's a moral issue as well, and uh, and United's behaviour itself has been called into question on more than one occasion, and the club has to be very careful. So, um Yes, it's about saving money. Yes, it's about getting the best players at, at a young stage so you don't have to pay massive transfer fees. But it's also about acting in a right and proper manner. I don't think any fans would want United to behave any other way. No, otherwise, what is the point of the whole thing? Quite. And talking of right and proper, um, Arsenal won United 2. Brilliant result for United uh, yeah. against the outrageous and blatant cheating of, of the Arsenal team. Uh, what do you think? Well, I have to say at this point, there was a genius moment um, when Man City went to play uh, Pompey and uh, Adebayor all fell over and the Pompey fans all start singing, same old Arsenal, always cheating. The Arsenal, I mean, honestly, they're, they're just a, they're like, they're such brilliant fodder for comedy and at the same time take themselves so very, very seriously. Um, you know, I, 
I, I, I've, as we talked about last week, I've got a lot of respect for Arsene Wenger. I, I, I thought his standing on top of the dugout was strangely genius. There was something oddly brilliant about the whole pantomime of it. Um, but, you know, obviously it was a penalty. And obviously when Eduardo went down against Celtic, it wasn't, you know. It's, it's not the same. They were just all upset because their player got scapegoated again, as, as you mentioned with Chelsea. Eduardo got scapegoated in, in the European Cup to try and stamp out diving, and then Rooney got a perfectly justified penalty, and yeah, he completely played for it, but if Almunia was a bit brighter, then he wouldn't have won a penalty, and maybe he could have even got Rooney booked. Um, you know, and yes, all right, so United were slightly rubbish against the Arsenal, and we did predict, well, I predicted that they would win in comfortable style, but at least they won, no. Yes, I think I predicted 2-1, actually, but, you know, let's... Um... Uh, yeah, but I said that Fergie would uh, revert to type and play one up front. You did. Admittedly, I got the wrong person, but still. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it was an interesting match. Look, clearly, United got a bit of luck there. They didn't play great. Came back into the match um, in the second half. I thought Giggs was pretty important to that. I know, I know Fletcher's also been lauded. And some of the, the commentary on, on Rant, um, many of the readers didn't think Giggs was that great. But I thought it was quite important in changing the pace of United's game and just at least dragging United back into the game so they could create a couple of chances. And, and uh, yeah, a couple of chance, chances was all, all that it needed. Um, and, and as for Eduardo's banner, you know, I, I, I can see why um, Arsenal might feel they're being scapegoat here. It's not as if Eduardo is the first or the last player to cheat by diving. And... There have been um, you know, former United players who have uh, been held up as bastions of diving in the past, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I can see why Arsenal might be aggrieved. But if, if UEFA are really going to stamp this out, if they're serious about this, and I'm not sure they are yet, but if they're serious about this, it's got to start somewhere. Um, and you can hold up precedent as a, an argument for not using video stop this kind of cheating but that's not a good argument and I'm afraid Arsenal's argument is flawed Eduardo cheated and he should be punished because the referee missed it now there are there are a couple of questions here one how deep does it go because not every match is filmed and football has to be football at whatever level so mm. I think that's an issue um, two why isn't there a consistent punishment between incidents the ref sees and incidents the ref doesn't see yep. that has to be addressed two um, and three, let's get this on the statute book so we know exactly what is is going to be the punishment if you're caught doing it, and then no one can no one can argue. And I guess this is a bit like when Rio Ferdinand got the eight month ban for missing a drugs test, mm. even though there was very very clear precedent from the season before that the exact same crime, with no different mitigating circumstances, received a fine for a Manchester City player. Um, on that occasion, the FA said we need to stop this right now. We need to come in line with the WADA code, um, and they, you know, punished Ferdinand much harder than um, previous players being punished. And I think this is what UEFA have done with Eduardo. I seem to remember you taking rather a different stance than you're taking about it now, though, with the Ferdinand thing and talking about the cruel mistreatment of Manchester United and the scapegoating and being yeah. made an example of. Yeah, and, and that's the football fans' viewpoint. Um, and, yeah, of course, of course, Ferdinand was treated so incredibly harshly in comparison to the previous uh, occasions. And, and Eduardo is not the first player in uh, UEFA history to have been uh, punished Retro in this way, retrospectively. No. He's not the first. 
the problem is there's been a lot of inconsistency. Hopefully, this is the point where UEFA become consistent, stamp this out of our game, um, and we can all move on from this. It would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice to be a fan of a, a kind of clean sports person-like sport, but uh, it doesn't seem to be what's going on at the moment. No, no, but you know, there's, there, there is still good stuff out there, and uh, it's not all sure. about cheating. And I know Wayne Rooney came out this week and said um, you know, honesty is really important to him, and, and there have been examples where uh, Rooney's gone down easily. I don't, I, don't think, um, I don't actually believe that there are any examples of Rooney blatantly cheating. Um, I, I know Arsenal fans hold up the 2004 example, but I was at that match, uh, very, very close to the incident. I thought it was a penalty at the time. I thought it was a penalty every time I've seen it ever since. Um, so that's because it was a penalty, Ed. That's because it was a penalty. That's because it was a penalty. Yeah. Uh, we probably need to, we probably need to, you know, move on from Arsenal's sort of paranoia. I, I, you know, I think it's unfortunate that Wenger is so myopic. I mean, it's one of his great strengths to get his team, you know, sort of rallying round and get his team playing, you know, lovely sort of football in triangles, but it's also a massive weakness. Uh, he never has a plan B and he just comes across as a bad loser constantly. Mm. Well, you know, that, that, that's true. Uh, he, he does come across as a bad loser. Um, but, you know, there, there is that argument that, that the, the only good loser is a loser, you know, in, in the very upper level of sport. You don't get too many people who are genuinely magnanimous in defeat all that often. Uh, although Wenger, I don't think, has ever been magnanimous in defeat. No, no, no. He, he certainly hasn't. But de- defeat it was, and, and United move on. That's three wins out of four in the the Premier League. It's, it's a much better start to the season than we had last year, even though United don't seem to be playing great football at the moment. It, it, it's a terrific result, isn't it? It's, you know, um, it's, it's, it's three points that can't be counted on when you do all the maths at the beginning of the season, and it kind of makes up for the three points that we would have uh, and should have got at Turf Moor. There, there, are, there are definitely problems at United, but like we saw against Wigan, they'll click sometimes and demolish teams. And hopefully as the season progresses, that will happen more and more. They'll develop a, a strong back four again when everyone starts coming back from injuries and being fit and having played themselves into a rhythm and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, that, that can build a platform. And some of these question marks in midfield might get answered. Michael Carrick might start performing up to his best a little bit more and, and you know potentially Fletcher and Carrick really does work as a partnership doesn't it they, they, they suit each other's strengths right I, I, I thought Fletcher was great even though apparently he committed 20 fouls um, which he didn't which he didn't of course but um, I, he's become a very important player to United hopefully Anderson will get back into form as well he scored for the reserves in midweek I guess that's um, something of a come down for Anderson having to play for the reserves but important that he gets some game time important that he finds some form Important, as we spoke about last week, that Ferguson tells him exactly where he is in the pecking order. Um, yep. And all the players can now go away to the international break. I think there's something like 17 United players out this week. And they can have a little break from Premiership football, come back knowing that they've got a great win. Uh, they've got a couple of tough games coming up. But um, uh, it'll be good for them all to go away um, off the back of that you know, huge win against Arsenal. Absolutely. So, yeah, 17 players away, I think it was. A um, whole bunch of them in England, of course, Foster, Rooney, Carrick, uh, Ferdinand will probably all play in the next couple of games, although Carrick is unlikely to start, um, at least at least the World Cup qualifier. Some issues over uh, Ferdinand's fitness at the moment. He'll probably be fit for the qualifier, might not be fit for the friendly on Saturday. And, uh, of course, Rooney's England's main man at the moment. 
What do you think about Foster? Do you think he'll get the nod? Because David James, all sorts of bother going on there, isn't there? Uh, James isn't in the squad. He's uh, he's not fit at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's between Foster and Robert Green of West Ham. I I think Capello will go with Foster because he's just naturally the more talented player. Mm-hmm. Lots of question marks over Foster. Of course, he's not played in that many big games. He's had two friendlies for England so far. He's really not had that many games for United. There's also question marks about whether he's good enough, mm-hmm. uh, whether his form's good enough. Uh, uh, he probably couldn't have done anything about uh, Arshavin's long-range shot the other week, but he did get a hand to it. Would the top-class keeper have kept that out? He punched at one, didn't get it very far, and Arshavin nearly side-footed it in. So, uh, mixed performance, but a uh, brilliant save with his legs in the second half to keep United in the game. So, I think it was a England game. I think uh, both Capello and Ferguson are prepared to give him a shot at it. He's got to make it count. I hope he does. Uh, I really hope he does because it would it would be terrific if he you know if he turned out to be uh, a really top class keeper for the next ten years or something. That would just be extremely convenient, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be. We'll see. I'm, I have my doubts, but I think mm. I think he's a, I do think he's a, a talented player. But is he right at the very top level? I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see, and like you say, he hasn't really been tried out yet. Are you like one of these United fans that really doesn't care about England? I, I watch the England games. Um, they, they are definitely below United and United's reserves and probably United's <laughs> youth team. And if there was a ladies' team, if the Glazers hadn't binned it, uh, probably below the ladies' team too. And then there's the under-18 team. It's also the under-14s team. Yep, yep, yep. There's my Manchester United football manager team on the computer. There's also my Fabrizio Manchester United team. So behind all those, then, then, I, then I'll support England. Um, and, like, say um, England were playing against, I don't know, Brazil in five years' time, and there's, like, six Manchester United players in the Brazilian team, three Man United players in the England team. Would you support Brazil, then, in that case? I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, I, I don't think it really goes that far. But, hey, I want to see all the United players do well at international level. Um, it's interesting, all the Brazilians in the team. We'll see if they all end up playing for Brazil, of course, because Possebon has declared for Italy because he has an Italian grandfather. The, the Silver Twins do qualify for Portugal, although it seems that they've said no to that one. Uh, so we'll I think they've got an excellent chance of both playing for Brazil for a long time. I, I think them two kids are going to really blossom from what I've seen so far. I just, I, I don't know. They're, they're, a lot feels right about the De Silva twins, you know what I mean? There's, there's, I think they're massive talent. Um, they just need to learn a bit defensively and they need to stop getting injured. Funny story of the week, I, I guess uh, Sir Alex Ferguson offered the Scotland job um, before George Burley took over in the current qualification campaign, after Alex McLeish decided to uh, go to the mighty Birmingham City. Uh, Scotland offered Ferguson uh, the job on a part-time basis, according to reports in The Guardian today. And uh, Ferguson turned it down. It's not the first time he's turned down the chance to go back to Scotland. Of course, he uh, famously took over the reins in 1986 when Jock Steen died. Yeah. Um, and he's been offered the England job on three occasions, so the autobiography from uh, David Davis said. What do you think? It's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can imagine Sir Alex managing Scotland for a two-year campaign after he's retired. Um, uh, and as a as a as an English person, I, it's a shame he he isn't very likely to do that after he retires. But I mean, the Scottish FA probably just 
I mean, I can't imagine they had particularly high hopes that he'd turn around and go, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, I'll be up next week, you know. Uh, I'll just take a break from running the biggest club in the world, you know, um, to to go manage Scotland. It'll be a bit of a laugh, and I'll get to hang out with Darren Fletcher. You you know, he's enough of Darren Fletcher. I, I, I... I don't think he could have taken it particularly seriously, but it's almost like they're not really losing anything by offering it to him, are they? They might as well, just in case he accidentally clicks yes instead of no on the multiple-choice email that they sent him. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Ferguson, at his age, um, he, he just doesn't have the time, even on a part-time basis, to do international management. I think he probably would if he had left United in 2002. He might have been... Oh, yeah. I think this time round, though, when he retires from United, he's retiring from football for good. So he's never going to take up an international post now. Um, Shame for Scotland, I guess. But then again, good for Alex Ferguson, because uh, even a manager of his great abilities would would struggle to do much with this group of Scottish players. No, if Ferguson became the Scotland manager, they'd win the World Cup. That's how it works. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. He's Sir Alex Ferguson, Ed. He can do anything. Yes, but did you see the Scots against Norway last time out? They were dreadful. Of course you did, Ed, but that's because you have a problem. I've been going to the meetings, readers. It's been three months since I last watched Scotland. No, it's not Scotland, is it? It's just that you won't miss a Norway fixture. You'll be following them. That's right. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer should still be playing. (laughs) Too right. He one day will be the manager of Norway, I hereby predict. Uh, actually, I think you're probably right there. He's he's very highly regarded as a coach. Um, he's he, which which what's his job at United at the moment? Reserve team manager. Right. I I would wouldn't it be amazing if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was the next manager of Manchester United? How and turned out really good. I mean, th- this this is a man who his legendary status is such that he gets his own banner. You know, this is this is the 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 you know him and Eric Cantona have got to be the number one and number two legends of Manchester United in the last twenty years, and there's a genuine chance that he could end up managing the club. Man, that would be fantastic. Really, let's hope it happens. So, Spurs away uh, after the international break. I, I know we've got a, a, I guess a week and a bit before that game on September the twelfth. Um, but uh, I, another tough game for United. Uh, Tottenham four wins in a row now. Uh, yeah, looking really well. Looking terrific. I mean, it's a huge loss to them losing Luka Modric, but they've kind of got Modric light in signing Crunchy, aren't they? It's you know pretty good, pretty good substitute to come in uh, for Modric, a talented number ten type Croatian. You know, um, yeah, he's tended to play off the left for Portsmouth. Uh, I suppose he has been a central role for for Spurs because that's where they're missing. Well, Harry's, Harry's said in the past that, you know, he did try and make it work with Nico behind the front two at Portsmouth, but he just couldn't get the rest of the team to play that style. Um, and uh, now they're, you know, they basically are playing that style, aren't they? So I think he might play more centrally for, for Spurs, especially with Modric out. But they've had a terrific start to the season, haven't they? They 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 look lively. They're playing nice football. They have comedically sized strikers, both uh, short and tall, uh, which is is always good, and I, you know they're, they're, they've they've got as good a shot as uh, Liverpool of finishing in the top four at this rate, haven't they? Right, yeah. I, I wonder whether the depth of Spurs' squad will will allow them to do that, but they've certainly started really well, and and they've got some really good players there. I, I, if Harry could get one fit, especially the central defenders, then they'll have a better shot at it. And 
yes, of course they've got they've got Peter Crouch and uh, his mascot um, Jermaine Defoe up front. So yeah, both doing well. Although of course Crouch can't get in the side because they've got 18 strikers on the books. Yeah, but all of them standing on each other's shoulders wouldn't be as big as Peter Crouch. So actually, interesting. Um, Trivia, point of trivia, Spurs do indeed have the tallest and shortest players in the Premiership because uh, Aaron Lennon and uh, Peter Crouch are have the biggest. They might not be the tallest and shortest, but certainly the biggest height difference between two teammates in the Premiership. So, yeah. Nice, nice trivia. Yeah, there you and, go. and um, whoever Spurs line up with, it'll be a tough game for United. Um, of course, important that United go there and get something out of the game. I'm sure they will. There's normally some really good games at the Spurs. I was just going to chuck in that cliche. I was just going to chuck in that cliche. Do you remember the three all, whenever it was, in 1985 or something? Do you remember that game, Ed? More recently, where, of course, United were 3-0 down at half-time and 1-5-3. And uh, that, that was a classic game, of course. Of course, there's the, uh, the horrible William Prunier debacle, where uh, United lost 4-1. I think that was on New Year's Day a few years back. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a great game again. Uh, last season's uh, you know, huge comeback from United, uh, Wayne Rooney-inspired second-half blitz. Um, that was fantastic, wasn't it? It kind of won us the league, really, in a way. There were a lot of things that won us the league last season. Makeda against Villa and all that kind of stuff. But that, that Spurs performance where uh, you know it's Fab 4, as it then was now, sort of, I don't know, terrific 2, because uh, um, uh, they're the only ones that are left, but absolutely demolished Spurs, didn't they? That's right, um, and we'll, we'll see who plays. I mean, will Ferguson revert to four four two again? I would hope so, but he reverted to type in the big games and, and played the one up front against Arsenal. So we'll and, you know, we've got a week and a half of international matches to get through before that, so both teams could come back, because obviously Spurs have got a lot of players on international duty as well. Both teams could come back and have to play each other's youth teams because uh, everyone's got croc in uh, important international friendlies against Slovenia and such. That's right, um, and uh, we'll see. I mean, United have a lot of strength in depth. Uh, the reserve team are, are doing pretty well at the moment, 1-5-0 and 2-1 in the last in the past week. Um, Federico Macheda scoring a lot of goals, can't get anywhere near the United team at the moment, not even on the bench for the last couple of games. It's really um, a, a strange situation, that isn't it? Because at the beginning of the season, we were sort of saying, you know, Ferguson might have to rely on rely on Welbeck and Mateda. But if Rooney and Berbatov and Owen all stay reasonably fit throughout the season, then their opportunities might be limited because they're definitely, you know, fourth and fifth in the pecking order, aren't they? So. Oh, that, that's right. But um, the Champions League hasn't started yet. Once that kicks in, and there's uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for weeks on end. There will be injuries. Ferguson's going to need to rotate, and these players will become important. Right now, the first part of the season, um, resting's not quite as important, so uh, they're not in the side. But we'll, well, it is if it is if you manage uh, Liverpool, and uh, you would have rested Fernando Torres three times by now already. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, talking of Liverpool, uh, how lucky were they to come back uh, last week at Bolton? I mean, seriously, <laughs> uh, the, the the most fortunate red card. Uh, they've had, oh no, hang on a minute, there were 15 red cards against them last season, actually. I think it's something like 11, but it was a lot. It's pretty funny how it keeps happening. Um, and they look nowhere near getting anything out of that game uh, until one of the Liverpool players managed to get Sean Davis sent off. But this is what we want, though, right? This is a Liverpool, classic uh, Liverpool, just not quite good enough to beat Bolton, apart from they've got Steven Gerrard. Uh, I don't think this team is a serious title contender, but... Enjoy the international break. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some good football somewhere. 
it's so hard to care though, isn't it? It's just like the season's just getting started. Some interesting things are starting to develop. You know, we just, just I don't care if England can beat Slovenia. I want to see United play. Me too, me too. And it's a painful two weeks, isn't it? Uh, but uh, hopefully Rankast has um, helped uh, the readers of United Rant uh, get over the international break. Also, just wanted to direct uh, readers to the newsletter. You'll see the big post of Carlos Tevez. He is, in fact, a reader of the United Rant newsletter. And United Rant Mobile has launched this week, so go to m.unitedrant.co.uk if you're bored on the bus, um, and you'll be able to read all our stories there. Absolutely, and if you uh, are a subscriber on the iTunes Music Store to Rantcast, please feel free to chuck in a review. Um, Reviews and good ratings and stuff help... um, uh, bad ratings and horrible reviews you can save for uh, putting on the arse blog. 